This morning we are going to finish up our little four-week series, Life in Exile. And I was thinking this week, as I prepared to wrap up our series, about 1998, I was finished up college. I was doing an internship with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship part-time, and I was working about 20 hours a week at American Carpet Warehouse, selling carpet, prepping jobs, occasionally going out. And um, the, the owner called it American Carpet Warehouse because he, he realized that if he, if he started the name with an A, it would be listed first in the yellow pages. And, and American, you know, we put out like 20 American flags in the front of the road, which made people, you know, feel nostalgic and stop in. And it was called a warehouse because people think the prices are cheaper if you call it a warehouse. Really, it was a, a renovated uh, little three-stall auto mechanic with a little office, in the, and the auto mechanic had been converted to, to our storage uh, places for the carpet. But I remember for this one particular day, kids, this fancy uh, car rolled up, and out of the car... Got out several men, all spiffed up in, in black fancy suits, and these were uh, Asian men. And they got out, and they began talking with one another, and it was immediately obvious they were not from around here. Okay, they were speaking in a foreign language. Eventually, one of them came into the office and, and, and spoke to us, and they let us know they were representatives from the Burmese embassy, and they were here to get carpet for their embassy. Now, truth be told, I think it was Burma. Okay, this was like over 20 years ago. Parts of the story are a little fuzzy. I know what happened. So, but we're going to go with Burma. They were from the, the, the Burmese embassy in D.C. Now, I was in College Park, right? And, and so we're right outside of, of D.C. And a couple of things stick out to me that day. The first is they were not from around there, right? They're, they, they spoke in broken English. Their sense of culture and, 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 and communication was different. They clearly had no idea how to buy and install carpet in the U.S. Like they had literally taken a left-hand turn out of the embassy, gotten on Route 1, and just driven north and stopped at the first carpet place they saw, which was American Carpet Warehouse. And, and I think that they just expected us to like follow them back to the embassy and install carpet they, they didn't realize, no, no, we'll have to send somebody out to measure the rooms before we can sell you the carpet, which actually everybody's always surprised. Well, they're just like average size rooms. Can't you just come out? No, no, we're going to measure first. But the second thing that stood out to me, not only was their, their unfamiliarity with culture, the second thing was how proud they were and how important they thought they were because they were representing Burma. They were representing their home country, Right? And so they literally expected us to just, you know, be at their beck and call. They expected us, I think, to show up at 7 a.m. the next morning with carpet. I mean, this was for Burma, right? Like they had a new ambassador, I think, that had come in. The whole place was being renovated. I mean, to them, and and, and actually by international law, the, the embassy is a sovereign piece of land of the home country, right? And so they wanted to take care of it. It was important to them. They were representatives of their nation, of course, some of you see where I'm going with this, as we, too, are called to be ambassadors of another kingdom. An ambassador is a high-ranking diplomatic official sent from one sovereign nation to another to live in that nation as a long-term representative of their home country. See, the, the ambassador maintains citizenship of their home nation. They're living in a foreign nation not as a citizen, as a resident charged to learn the customs, learn the language, establish lines of communication, manage the relationship between the two countries, and represent the interests of their own country. And the ambassador, of course, works in an embassy. Often the embassy is located in the nation's capital, 
And they're there to represent their government's interest, to be the spokesperson for policy, to facilitate communication. That's what these men were there doing, working for their ambassador, and that's what we are called to do for Christ. This is the strategy that God uses to reach His world. We've been talking about our approach to life in exile, right? The reality that we live on earth in Babylon, in a foreign nation. And so we are called to be in the world, but not to be of the world. We've been talking about this approach to to live as faithful ambassadors, right? Not to fully assimilate, not to fully withdraw, to live in that tension and to be ambassadors. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.20, calling himself an ambassador in chains, writing from prison. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. And so we're going to talk this morning about our call to be ambassadors to the world. Paul Williams, in his book, Exiles on Mission, We've been uh, looking at him each week throughout our series for, for wisdom and guidance in the subject. He says this, An ambassador is still a stranger who still might miss home, but they're not resentful, and they don't feel trapped. Neither are they disengaged, because now they are living in a strange land on purpose. They've been sent there. They have a job to do. They try to understand the dominant cultural story in their new country, But they are completely secure in their own. They know that they can expect all the help they need from their home country. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. Sent into the world on purpose in all of the places that God has put us. Knowing that God is with us and for us. Because we are on his mission. I love that. The call to understand the dominant cultural story. But yet completely secure in our own identity. Our own culture. We have been sent with a purpose and we have all the help that we need from our home country. Amen. And so we're going to look this morning at three aspects of our call, our identity to be faithful ambassadors to the world. And the first is this reality that we need to start here. We are citizens of heaven. Kids, the first thing that I want you to hear this morning is that that if you believe in Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven. I want to begin with Abraham. Okay, the father of of the faith, Abraham and his wife Sarah, were called by God to leave their home country to travel to the land of Canaan. We read about in Genesis. And there God made a covenant with Abraham that through his descendants, all the nations of the earth would be blessed and that they would inherit the land of Canaan. And Abraham believed God, the scriptures tell us, and, and it was counted to Abraham as righteousness because of his faith. Now here's the thing. Abraham was a sheep herder. He was a nomad. Okay, so he doesn't stay in the land of Canaan where God made the the covenant with him. A famine comes, he goes down to Egypt. Then he moves back to Canaan. And then later we read, he moves back down south again. See, Abraham and Sarah never settled in the promised land. They were sojourners. And it would not be until generations later that God would, would give his people the promise that he had arranged with them. The author of Hebrews, he's telling this story, and he comments on the states. Listen to what he, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 11 as he comments on the saints of the Old Testament. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, They would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. 
See, Abraham and Sarah, as they're living in, in exile on earth, they were seeking a homeland. Ultimately, not the land of Canaan, even though God had promised it to them, because the author says if that's what they were truly longing for, they would have just moved back there and settled there. But they are looking to a a new city, a heavenly city, the new Jerusalem we read about in the New Testament. See, God was their covenant God, and so he was preparing for them a better country. And this is true for us as well. We too are sojourners, though we have homes and don't live in tents like the Israelites once did. We are exiles. We have no place to truly call home. Jesus, of course, demonstrated this as he he said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he, he wandered for his time of ministry. See, this world is not our home. You will never truly feel settled here. That's why we experience so much pain and so much brokenness in this world. Because we're not made for this fallen world. And so we experience sickness, a lack of rest, anxiety, depression. Folks that struggle with cutting, with suicide, with divorce, with addiction. There are strained marriages, broken homes, hurting bodies. All these things are all too common. Moms and dads, we have bad days. Kids, you have bad days. Let those bad days remind you that this world is not your home. You're a citizen of heaven. Don't we yearn for a homeland? Don't we yearn for a a place where we can truly be at home? And all the times we try to fill ourselves with fleshly cravings or we try to find pleasure in the world, it, it really ultimately only creates more emptiness. We can never find rest or peace. We can never truly be settled or truly experience love the way it was meant or truly find fulfillment and have all that we desire until we are in our home country of heaven. Think about it like this. Those of you that have traveled traveled internationally, and I've experienced this a few times on mission trips to, to Haiti or Ecuador, and you're there for, you know, a week, a week and a half, and the language is different, the food is different, the customs are different, that the whole time you're sort of on edge, right? You don't feel at peace, you don't feel settled. And then what happens? You finally get on that plane, you finally land, you walk out of the plane, and you just feel like you can relax. You're on U.S. soil, right? People speak your language, you understand how things work, and what do you do? You make a beeline to the first food stall and you get yourself a greasy american hamburger i'm home right and you feel you feel at peace maybe you've never been out of the country but you've been away on vacation right some of us are going away to the beach the mountains for a week two weeks this summer and and you're excited to get away but but by you know day seven eight by day ten you're you're looking forward to getting home looking forward to being back in your own bed you know that feeling when you open up the house after it's been closed up for a week you know that smell right that, that smell, and it, it's not necessarily a good smell because everything's kind of stuffy and closed up, but you walk in and you're like, now I'm home, right? And you, and you walk around, you put down your bags, you go up to your bed, you're like, man, I, I missed you. I'm looking forward to being back there tonight. And you're comfortable. You can truly be at ease when you're at home. That's what it will be like one day when the Lord calls us to home, to heaven, Not just a a place in the clouds, but the scripture says when Jesus returns again, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, a physical world to live in with physical glorified bodies, our eternal home. See, friends, the homeland that you are seeking is a heavenly one. Our eternal home in the presence of God is the only place we'll be fulfilled. And this world cannot fulfill us because we're not citizens of earth, we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. That's what Paul's writing about to the Philippians. 
He talks about those who are still connected to the world, those who reject God, who walk as enemies of the cross, people who live with their mind set on earthly things, and their God, he says, is their belly, meaning they just follow whatever craving comes to their flesh. But Christians live in a different reality, and Paul says this in chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, and even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Friends, if we're going to last a day in exile, if we're going to live a minute faithful to our calling as ambassadors, we need to be rooted in the reality that we're citizens of heaven, that we have been transformed and we are no longer of this world. Faith in Christ means that you're born again. And yes, that's an internal transformation, but it's an eternal reality that your sins are forgiven. You're right with God. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit, resurrected to a new life now and a a physical resurrection in eternity. We are citizens of heaven. That's our identity. That is our hope. And on your worst day on earth, be reminded and have hope that this is not your home. And on your best day on earth, don't be fooled. Don't be misdirected because even on your best day, this is not your home. Now, some of you have heard it said that that Christians can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you heard that expression, right? Like you just walk around with your head in the clouds thinking about God all the time and you're not living for this world, not doing anybody any any good. That's a misunderstanding of the biblical teaching. See, it is setting our minds and our heart on heavenly things, setting our mind on eternity, on the kingdom of God, living for God's glory that orients us, that empowers us to live out our calling on earth. It's only when we set our mind on earthly things, only when we live for eternity that we can truly be obedient, that we can walk in love, that we can serve the world around us. Only when we see ourselves as citizens of heaven will we be any good in our temporary home as resident aliens. Yes, we're called to serve here as ambassadors. And when we're truly rooted in our identity, we can orient ourselves to our true purpose, orient ourselves to find fullness here on earth and to live for God here on earth. So as ambassadors to the world, it's critical that we live in our identity as citizens. But but the other thing, the second thing that I want us to see here this morning, you see in your outline, kids, you see it on the screen, that we are called to be gathered in the embassy. Look, in the New Testament, the church is described in in a variety of ways. The church is described as a temple, as a bride, as a flock of sheep, as a nation, as a building. But we can also think of, of, of the church as an embassy, an outpost of God's kingdom here on earth. In the Nine Marks series, the book on church membership, Jonathan Lehman explains the local church like this. He says, a local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. It is the outpost or embassy giving a public face to our future nation. 
Friends, when we gather here in this place, and don't think of church as Sunday morning service. That may be the center, the heart of who we are as a church. But we also live as the church in our homes, in our life groups, as we serve in the community. The church, Lehman says, is the public face to our future nation. See, we need an embassy, right? An ambassador without an embassy is sort of homeless and powerless. The embassy is the home base of operations in a foreign nation. An ambassador from the U.S. to another country goes to the embassy. That's where he develops the strategy. That's where there's communication. That's where he does the official business of his ambassadorship. It's an outpost of his home country. Under international law today, modern embassies are considered the sovereign territory of the home country rather than a part of the country where you are located. And, and so in, in most, not all, but in most countries of the world, as a U.S. citizen, you can walk into an embassy and, and be on U.S. soil, be protected. That's how I want us to view the church this morning, as a piece of God's kingdom here on earth. Think about it like this. When Jesus began his ministry, he said that the kingdom of God had arrived, right? You look around and you say, well, where is it? I don't see it. Well, he clarified that the kingdom of God is not of this world. See, he did not come to overthrow the Romans. He didn't come to start a political revolution or a new form of government. Jesus didn't come to start a humanitarian NGO or a movement of moral living or a social club. He came to start a church. When the apostle Peter first confessed Jesus as the Christ, Jesus said to him, On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it will not overpower it. And Jesus died and he rose again. He ascended into heaven and then the apostles began to spread out and proclaim and declare and witness to the resurrection, witness that Jesus was the Savior. And what did they do as they spread his word? People came to Christ and they planted churches. See, Jesus came to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, and redemption was accomplished in his death and his resurrection. But the kingdom will not be fully realized on earth until he comes again at the end of the age. But until that point, every day until his second coming, as we live in this already not yet, in the in-between phase of the kingdom, each church is an embassy, a kingdom outpost where the ambassadors gather. And, and here's the most amazing part of it. The ambassadors gather and the presence of the king dwells in the embassy. See, Remember what life was like prior to Christ. Before you knew him. Before you had hope. Before you had direction in your struggles. Before you had forgiveness when you sinned. Before you had hope in times of darkness. When you were separated, the Bible says, alienated from God's kingdom, excluded from your citizenship in heaven. Ephesians 2.12 describes our life before Christ like this. Remember, you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we're far off from God, away from Him prior to turning and coming to Him, prior to Him sovereignly bringing us to new life. But now, 
we've been reconciled to God. We've been brought near because of His Savior Jesus. And Ephesians 2 goes on to say in verse 19, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So look, here's the deal. We're no longer strangers and foreigners to God. Right now we belong to God and we're strangers and foreigners to the world. Now we are fellow citizens with the saints. Members of God's household, God's family. And as member of, members of God's household, we now belong to the church. That is our citizenship. We're foreigners in the world and we're citizens of heaven. And, and this household is built on the foundation of, of the apostles, of the prophets. Jesus Christ himself, the cornerstone of the church, the cornerstone of God's new work. And Ephesians says that the whole building is growing together into a holy temple. And in this household of God, something truly amazing happens. The Spirit of God dwells on earth. The Spirit of God dwells on earth when His people gather together in community, as families, as a church, in a unique way. And yes, if you're a Christian, you walk into the workplace, into the community, you go to the pool, you go to the beach, God's Spirit is in you. The Bible says you are a temple. But something different and special and more powerful happens. In the church community. As we are the temple. As the spirit of God dwells on earth. As he is in heaven. And it's not just a feeling you get on Sunday mornings. It's not just a feeling when you're struggling. And, and, you're, and your three girlfriends come over and pray for you. That's the spirit of God. Dwelling in the temple here on earth. See that's why Jesus told his disciples. Wait in Jerusalem for the spirit of God. Don't do anything. Don't try to proclaim the gospel until the Spirit comes. And so 50 days after he was in heaven at Pentecost, the disciples were gathered, the Spirit of God descended, filled the disciples of Jesus, and they became the church. They were now empowered to walk as ambassadors of God's kingdom. See, just as an embassy is a little sovereign nation, a little sovereign piece of the, so- of the, of the nation, of the soil in another country, So through the presence of God's Spirit, the church is an outpost of God's kingdom. God sovereignly rules and reigns, not just in the physical walls, but in the gathering of His people, in the community of His people, in the mission of His people. God dwelling in the embassy. And so it is essential if we are going to live in exile, if we are going to be faithful to our calling as ambassadors in the world, that we regularly gather in the church and seek refuge in the embassy. And and yes, as Americans, we love to talk about our personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, you have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you also have a corporate opportunity and a corporate responsibility to the body of Christ. To the church and to the Christian community, the Christian family. We have a responsibility to one another. And there are things that, that happen in the church that cannot happen when Christians are on their own. And so many of the commandments and the instructions and the encouragements that we read about in the New Testament are in the plural. Rejoice in the Lord always. You in yourself cannot do that. But we as a community can. You say, but church is messy. Church is difficult. 
I don't get along with people. I don't like people. I don't feel included. I don't feel welcomed. My gifts are not recognized. I feel like a failure. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, I get that. This is a pale glimpse. This is just a pale glimpse of what the family of God will be like in heaven. But it's all that we have. And listen, Jesus calls us the bride of Christ. He loves the church and so should we. Despite all of our fractures and failures. Briefly, I want to just briefly mention five, I believe, crucial ways that we as a church need to be and can be an embassy of heaven here on earth. The first is that we come to the church as an embassy and we find respite. Right? Can you imagine being in a foreign nation, working for the embassy and being out, you know, in, in the city and, and people seeing you and knowing right away you're an American and then you step into that embassy and what happens? There's rest, there's refreshment, there's safety. So we come to the church and we find respite and refreshment from, from a world of exile. Secondly, this is a place where we can establish culture, establish kingdom culture. The local church, the gathering of believers, is the embodiment. It's the expression of kingdom culture, the values of our heavenly home. We live out the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit in the church. And, and, and we, we set the culture, we set the values, we set our beliefs in a way that, that we can't do living in exile in the world. Thirdly, is, is there's communication that happens in the embassy, right? And the ambassadors you know, send, send messages and, and emails and phone calls back to, back to their host country in a secure way in the embassy. We gather as the body of believers. We hear from the word of God as we're doing this morning as the, the Lord speaks to us. We offer prayer and worship back up to God in a corporate way that's different, that's unique. And I hope and I pray that you read the word and, and that you pray all week long. But, but do you realize in the body of believers on Sunday morning, in your small group, in your accountability groups, in your core teams, in your life groups, that's an outpost. And that communication happens. That the fourth thing that I think happens in the local embassy is that there's witness. Because here's the thing. Citizens of the host country can go into the embassy. And, and, and you, can, you can walk into the embassy in Germany, walk into the U.S. embassy, even if you're not a U.S. citizen. There's certain business that you can do there, and you get a, a little taste. And when people come into this embassy, they don't just get a taste of, of Christians or of Christian culture. They can get a taste of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says the Spirit of God dwells in the gathering of believers. And so non-believers, some of you here this morning who have not committed to Christ, who are still wrestling, or, or maybe somebody's wrestling with you and dragging you here, and, and, and you experience something this morning that you can't understand, you can't explain, it doesn't make sense, it's the Spirit of God. The Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 14 that a non-believer can walk into the church, witness what's going on, and have the secrets of his heart disclosed, and falling on his face, he will worship God and declare, God is really among you. Friends, Pastor Matt or I would love to take you out to, to coffee and give you a biblical defense of, of why, a, a logical defense of why this is the Word of God, why it's true and why it's trustworthy. We can talk to you about the gospel and about how it is unique and distinct from any and every philosophy, religion, worldview on earth. 
that every other perspective says that you have to try to reach God or reach nirvana or reach Allah or or reach inner peace. And the Bible says, no, God reached down to you. And and I can give you a a, a logical, rational explanation and 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 I can share with you the gospel. And those things are good and right and we should do that. And yet ultimately what people need is an encounter with the living God. And I hope and I pray that even this morning, some of you are falling on your face, your heart disclosed, declaring God is here. I don't understand him. I don't even know him yet, but he's here and I want him. And so the embassy, yes, is a place of rest, but yes, it's a place where we establish the kingdom culture. Yes, it's a place where we communicate with our home country, but it's also a place of witness. And fifthly, lastly, it's a place of equipping. We come into the embassy to be trained, to be equipped, to go out into the world as ambassadors on mission, on purpose. And so, yes, we are gathered in the embassy, but we're also scattered in the world. The idea that we are the church gathered and the church scattered is a phrase that's been around for generations. Paul Williams says it like this, the gathered community is scattered, the gathered community is scattered into the world. And both the church gathered and the church scattered are to carry the authority of the kingdom to their communal and individual witness. So I want to talk lastly this morning about our call to be scattered into the world. You remember we started off this series in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, he opens his letter referring to the elect exiles that are dispersed. Or you could translate that, scattered into the world. Depending upon who's overthrowing who and what coup just happened, there are about 195 sovereign nations on planet Earth. And the United States of America has an embassy, has an outpost, has an ambassador in most of them. And I tried to look it up last night or this week and and somewhere between, I don't know, 30 to 50 of those 195 sovereign nations don't have a current U.S. ambassador stationed in their country. There's no one there to represent the interests of the United States. Nobody there appointed to represent U.S. interests. And yet on the whole, nations scatter their ambassadors around. Why? To proclaim, you know, their view of the world, their their agenda, to advocate. And the same is true for Christians. Listen, Christians are scattered all over the world, and that's not random. Each and every one is stationed somewhere on purpose. See, God's strategy is to station His representative... Not just in every nation, but in every region, in every neighborhood, in every community, in every workplace, in every school, in every family. We are ambassadors to the world. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.17 as Paul casts this vision for us. Therefore, if anyone is in, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Friends, it's going to take a lifetime. It's going to take centuries to to figure this out, to live out that calling. 
Verse 17 says that Christians are in Christ. That means that the Father has drawn you and that through faith you are spiritually united with Christ. He is embedded in you and you are embedded in Him. And because you are in Christ, you are transformed through your faith into a new creation. Your old sinful life has died. The new righteous life of Christ has been born in you. And so you belong to God. And so verses 18 and 19 unpack that all of this, all of this work is from God. We are reconciled to Him. Right? We're made, created to live in relationship with God because of sin. There's a wall between us and God. People outside of Christ live cut off from the Lord. But because Jesus died in our place, our trespasses, the scripture says, are not counted against us. The one who knew no sin became sin that we might have his righteousness and now we can know God and live for him. And so verse 20 says that those who are now new creations have been appointed as ambassadors. And if you follow Jesus, whether it's been for a day or for decades, whether your faith is strong or weak, whether you are mature or immature, you are an ambassador. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation to go out into the world. Listen, entrusted. You have been entrusted. God trusts you with his message. And we're called to make an appeal on God's behalf. The Bible says it is as though, it's as though God were making his appeal through you to your family, friends, and neighbors. And the appeal is this. Be reconciled to God. Come back home. Come know your creator. Know your father. Trust in your savior. God is making his appeal through us. And we plead with people. Come back to God. Now there's dozens and dozens of people that work in a foreign embassy. There's only one ambassador. Only one guy who has ultimate authority appointed by the U.S. Senate. But every Christian is an ambassador commissioned, representing the king. And as we wrap up our series, I want to call us to three ways that we represent our king, that we can live as ambassadors in the world. You can see them here. First is this, live an integrated life. We've been talking about this the last three weeks. There's this tension, right? This conflict of our life in exile. We, we want to connect. We want to belong. The world seems so real, but we have this new identity in Christ, and there's this tension, and we feel pulled between our personal faith and our public life, and we feel, we feel this tension of, of, of temptation. Do I just assimilate and give into the world, or do I withdraw? Because trying to live halfway in between, man, that's too hard. And the Bible says, yes, it is hard. There is conflict. But by God's grace and by His Spirit, you can do that. See, a big part of being a faithful ambassador means living an integrated life. means walking out your Christian identity in every area of life. And some of us, we, it's easier just to say, well, I'm going to have sacred areas of my life and secular areas of my life. So, of course, when I'm at church, when I'm at home, I'll be a Christian. But, I mean, let's be real. When I'm in the world, when I'm at school, when I'm at work, like, can we just call that secular? And I'm not going to, like, fall into grave sin, okay? But I'm just going to kind of do my thing the way the world does it. And, and that'll be my secular kind of aspect of life. And then I'll have a different sacred, holy aspect of life. But here's the thing. Is Jesus king? Is he king over all the earth? Because if he is, he's king in Jerusalem and in Babylon. Amen? And so that means all of life is sacred. And that means all of life can and should be lived in obedience to the king as an act of worship. And so we need to live an integrated life and recognize, yes, there's tension, and that tension is normal. 
And so we need to seek God's spirit, seek help from the Christian community, seek wisdom to make mistakes, to figure it out together. How do we live in obedience to God in a secular world? I think, first of all, it means that that you go into your school, you go into work, you go to that community group as an ambassador. Remember what we learned in Jeremiah chapter 29 for the, the Israelites in exile in Babylon God told them to invest in their communities to seek the welfare of their cities. And that means the workplace. That means the school. One of the things that was rediscovered at the Protestant Reformation is a biblical view of work, that all work is sacred. Friends, listen, there is no hierarchy of vocations in God's kingdom. And that means that a pastor is not more important than a plumber. Do you hear what I just said? My job is not more important than those of you that go into people's homes and fix their sinks so that they can live in peace and have running water. As you do that, as a representative of God, anything that you do to prosper society for the good of others, when you do it in a godly way, when you do it for the glory of God, is done as His representative. As you build a bridge, as you fix a sink, as you care for a sick person in a hospital, as you, as you write code, as you change a diaper, as you study chemistry, as you sell paint, as you sell a house, as you teach a child, God is honored. Please hear that. God is honored. Now listen, you say, well, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to like fly under the radar, and I'm going to hope that like once a month, maybe I can drop Jesus' name in there, and then God will be happy. Listen, God is honored when you share the gospel in your workplace, but how much more honored is he when you work hard? when you do well, when you prosper, when you honor His name, and you share the gospel. This world is temporary, yes, but God loves this world and He loves His children in the world. And so your work and every place that you go belongs to Him and it's sacred. So so first of all, let's live an integrated life. Secondly, speak the King's message. See, 2 Corinthians 5 made it clear that as Christ's ambassadors, we have been entrusted. We have been given something, the gospel. And we are charged to share the gospel, to call people to Christ. And when we do, God is making his appeal through us. And so that means, first of all, we gotta, we got to say hello. we got to introduce ourselves. we got to build relationships with our friends and our neighbors. We have to get to know people. How do you get to know people? Ask questions. Some of you know I love asking questions. Ask questions and then here's the crucial second part. Listen. Listen to what they say. Care about them. Care about their heart. And then when the Lord provides the opportunity, speak truth. Speak the truth of Christ. We can think of the gospel in four parts. God, humanity, Jesus, and response. Share with them who God is, that he's a creator, that he's a father, that he's a king. Tell them about Christ. How he was born fully God, fully man. How he lived a righteous life. How he died on the cross as a substitute for our sins. How he rose from the dead to new life. How he ascended up into heaven and how he is returning again. Share with him about humanity. That we are created to live in relationship with God, but we have rebelled against him. And God yearns for that relationship to be restored. Share with them about God, about humanity, about Christ, and then call them to a response. The ABCs of the response. Admit. Some of you here this morning need to admit, maybe for the first time, that you're broken, that you're helpless, that you're sinful, that you need forgiveness. And then believe. Believe that Christ is your Savior, your only hope. And then thirdly, commit. Commit to walk with Him, to follow Him, to be full of the Holy Spirit. 
And so we get to know people, we ask questions, we listen, and we speak truth about God, humanity, Christ, and our response. Now remember, we're living in a foreign country, so this is not easy. People don't speak the same language that we do. They don't have the same values and the same cares that we do. But any ambassador who knows what he's doing is going to take time to learn the customs of his home country, to learn what the people in his home country care about, to learn the language that they use, to learn the stories that they tell in the society of the country where he's been placed. And so we need to do that in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities. We need to speak about Christ and the gospel in what my brother Chris calls the vernacular of the people, right? Because half the time, the stuff we're talking about, we barely understand. And so we got to boil down the love of God, the truth of Christ, into images and language that the people around us understand. Relatable language, concepts that people can understand and relate with. We need to invest in relationships and we need to be patient because sometimes it takes days and weeks and years I remember this neighbor that I had one time, Rob, and I had tried to be a good neighbor and, you know, be friendly and encouraging. I had never had an opportunity to, to, to share Christ with him. He probably knew I was a Christian. And, and you know what? Let's be honest. I could have prayed more. I could have been more bold, but I had never, like, overtly shared the gospel with him. I was a good neighbor. I was friendly. And I'll never forget the day that he told me that him and his family were moving to North Carolina. I thought, well, God, I guess I blew that. They're moving away, and I'll never have a chance to speak to him. His wife had a job before he did. Her and the kids moved down. He was in an empty house. Everything was moved. The night before he was going to move, he was outside in his yard. We started talking. He invited me into his house. First time I'd ever been in the guy's house. Night before, I'm never going to see him again. And, and he began to open up to me about his uncertainty and his fear. And his wife was already there. His mom was sick. He didn't have a job. How were they going to adjust? And he just flat out told me, I don't even want to move. I've grown up in this town. What am I even doing? And there that night in the empty house, I began to share with him my own faith in Christ and how the Lord had guided me through times of uncertainty and how the Lord had given me peace and the hope that, that I have in Christ. And God's plan for us through faith in Jesus and the hope of the gospel. And he listened intently and, and he let me pray for him and I never saw him again. Friends, you're an ambassador. Be patient, yes. Be bold, yes. And wait for those opportunities when you can speak truth. Speak the king's message. Lastly, work to expand the kingdom. We not only speak the gospel, we live out the gospel through our service and through our good works. You see, our lives, the way that we live, can expand the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, right? Because Jesus said, we are the light in a dark world. And so he said, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and what? Give glory to your father who is in heaven. And so please, please, please never do a random act of kindness. Never do that but do a Christ-centered, purpose-driven acts of love and kindness. Political advocacy, yes. Yes, when it's kingdom advocacy. Social justice, yes, when it's driven by gospel justice. See, Christians in exile can, and in fact are, influencing the culture and expanding the kingdom. Now, you can read the news and you can listen to the stories, and, and, the, and the news in the Western world would have you believe that Christians are, are defunct, the church is dead, that no good is happening, and that it's just a matter of days before the whole thing is washed up. But we are not handicapped and we are not powerless. There's this book called Gospel Bound by Colin Hansen and Sarah Ekoff.
Zilstra. And in this book, they talk about how we can have resolute hope through our unchanging faith, even as it collides with the changing world. Now, full confession, I haven't yet read the book, but I heard heard Colin and Sarah talk about it on a podcast, and I'm going to order it and read it. But they, they, they talk about story after story of Christians who are quietly changing the world in the name of Jesus. In disaster relief, and racial unity, and serving the oppressed, and foster care, and reaching out to homelessness. And this one story that I heard Sarah tell, she lives in, in Louisville. Excuse me, not, <clears throat> not Sarah, the author of the book, but, but Sarah, the author of the book, was telling about another woman who lives in Louisville. And one day she drives past a strip club in her community, and the Lord just pierces her heart. And for the next year, she gathered with a few other women in her church. And every Tuesday and every Thursday, they they sat across the street and they prayed for the women that worked there. And she began to do research. And after a year, she walked in to that place and she said, can I bring in a meal to the women that work here? And, and And the owner said, no way, you're crazy, get out. And eventually, he let her do it. And they began to, to, to every Thursday, bring in a, a meal for these women and listen to them and serve them and share Christ with them. She now oversees a, a ministry to women that are trapped in this industry in all of its forms with 20 different staff members, 300 different volunteers. They're in 22 different locations in the Louisville area. They've helped over 600 women get out of that work provided job training, Bible studies, and shared the gospel with hundreds more. Do not believe the story that the church is not alive, that Christians are not taking ground, that the kingdom is not being expanded. Men and women all over the world are ambassadors expanding the kingdom, and and you and I can do the same thing. Amen? Christian, we are in exile in Babylon. We are citizens of heaven. And and ultimately, it's only God's presence that we can only truly be at home. But in this world, we are called to live for Him. In the world, not of the world. We're called to take up our calling to live as Christ's ambassadors. And so we've got to invest in the local assembly. The assembling of believers, the local embassy. We're to gather in the local church to find respite, to hear from the King, and to be equipped to go out into the world because He has scattered us into the world to live an integrated life, to speak for the king, to work to expand the kingdom. And listen, let me remind you, we, we can give in to anger. We can give in to, to fear or entitlement. We can, we can be numb or we can walk in courage. And we can walk in faith every day that God gives us. We can stand firm in the fear of God. As the worship team comes, hear from First Peter. The word of God says this, if you call on him, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Stand with me as we pray. God, we submit ourselves to you, and and, and we, by your grace, stand in fear of you. Not in fear of punishment, but, but in awe and in wonder, in fear of your goodness and your mercy and your love. Give us courage and faith to, to live for you in exile. 
confessing that we have been ransomed from the futile ways of this life, not with gold or silver, but, but ransomed with the blood of Christ. And so we now worship, we now lift up the name of Jesus, our Messiah, and we pray and we seek you for faith and for courage to live in this world as your ambassadors. But God, we're weak and we need your help. Even as we sing this song to you, even as we close our service, we cry out to you for mercy and for help. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us. Fill us with faith and with courage and with hope. Come, Holy Spirit.